How's everybody doing? Okay, we're, we're, we're waking up. We're only an, an hour late. Okay, to the party. So, we started a new series. Oh, it's up there. Can you unplug the power cord from the computer? It'll stop bouncing. Um, we started a new series a couple weeks ago called I Am. Two weeks ago, I had my shortest sermon ever so far here. It was like 10 minutes long. And it was about the friends that brought their paralyzed friend before Jesus and he got healed. That was a couple weeks ago. We talked about their faith and that he was made well because of their faith. And then last week, Frankie did preach. <laughs> and he talked about loving our enemies, and the, the teaching Jesus had on loving our enemies. And one of the, the things, every time I read that passage and what I got from Frankie's message is, he said, like, we need to pray for them. And as we pray for our enemies, they start to not be our enemies anymore. Or we start to love them as we pray for them. And that's the biggest thing I got out of that. And this next passage, Luke 7, if you want to turn in your Bibles or your Bibles. Um, for those who don't know, Bibles are phone Bibles. Just making sure, everybody. Bibles. Uh, so Luke 7, we're going to be talking about a centurion man who showed a lot of faith. And it, it just kind of reminded me of those two stories and, and kind of putting them together, to a couple of the concepts in those previous stories. So we're going to dig right into this passage. You all with me with that? All right. I like it when people talk to me. So you guys got to talk. People on Facebook, you can talk to but I can't hear you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your son and that we get to learn and, and just feel his presence in this place. So Holy Spirit, come speak to us, move in us, and move through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying, should be up there, right? There we go. When Jesus finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. Capernaum is on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee in Israel. There is there a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asked him to come and heal a servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turned to the crowd following him. He said, I tell you, I have, found, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men, uh, the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Whew. There's a lot in there. You ready to unpack it a little bit? 
Let's look at the centurion. First off, this is what I noticed. And, well, let me tell you this. Have you ever read a passage over and over again as you're preparing for a sermon? Maybe not, because you never preach a sermon. But have you ever read a passage over and over again? You're like, are you going to say anything to me, God? Like, what, what, are, what are we going to preach on today? That was what I was doing this week. I kept just reading it, and I, put, I would take a break, and I would read it, and I'd be like, I got nothing. Like, what am I going to share? So, just, I don't know why I told you that, but as I was reading it over and over again, finally, something, God was like this, talk about this. So the first, the first thing we see is the centurion did not even know Jesus, never met him. All he, all he had was what he heard, what people had said about him. That was it. I am real thankful that that's not the same thing today. I'm real thankful that we can just talk to Jesus anytime we want. Are you guys with me on that one? The centurion didn't know him, never spoke to him, only heard stories, and yet he had greater faith than everyone that Jesus had encountered so far. We'll get to that. He was in good standing with the Jews in the town. In Capernaum, those, those Jews thought him highly. He asked the elders of Capernaum to go talk to Jesus for him, Jewish elders. And he was a Roman centurion. Do you see that? That is impressive. It says he helped build the temple, or not the temple, but the synagogue in that town. Which we, it might be interesting to look if um, the synagogue that we saw in Capernaum when we were there, Elmar, might have been built by this guy. Interesting enough. So, there's four things outside of that. There's four things that I want us to look at with the centurion man. The first one, and maybe the hardest thing for him to do in this whole thing, the biggest miracle in the whole story, is that he was humble. Let's, let me unpack that for you. He, a Roman centurion, a man that led people who had people under him, he was a a commander heard of a Jewish common dude, a carpenter, just a common dude, and asked him for help. Do you see how crazy that is? Most guys go in the grocery store and they can't find something and they won't ask for help. This guy is a commander, a, a man with lots of guys under his command, and he's asking help from a, a random carpenter from Galilee. That is a miracle. That's the first miracle, right? The humility that he has to ask for help. And I'll tell you, my most common prayer, probably after I should have prayed it many times before, is God help me. I get to a point, I'm just like, God help me. God help me, I'm being a bad parent right now. God help me in my marriage, I'm being a bad husband right now. God help me, whatever. Right? <laughs> it is really easy for me to think I can do things on my own. Not that I think I'm that great, but it is just easier to not ask for help from anyone. The first year in Helensburg when we went there, it was, my, it was 
my first job on staff at a church. I've been serving at Oak for like 10 years, but my first job on staff. And I got there coming from a big church, going to a small church, don't, thinking, I know what I'm doing. I've led ministries. I've led worship. I've done this. I've done that. I know what I'm doing. I know what sound I like on worship. I know what look I like. I know how to run a college ministry. I can do this. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't ask God for help. I didn't ask him what he wanted at all. I just kind of went in thinking I kind of knew what I wanted. I mean, I prayed and like did the Christian thing, you know. I prayed and said, God, that we're doing this. But I didn't really go, God, what do you want to do first? I didn't ask anyone else for help either. I hardly asked Eleanor for help. I didn't ask the senior pastor for help. I didn't ask hardly anyone for help. I just went and started doing it on my own. And guess what happened? It all went great. No, not exactly. I learned a lot of lessons in the first year in Allensburg. It was up and down. There was good stuff. There was bad stuff. Um, our college group grew real quick, and then it all blew up real quick. It did not go well. And I was... I was not humble enough to go to people and ask for help. I wasn't humble enough to go before God and be like, God, I need you to lead this and not me. Because I thought I was good enough to lead or I knew enough to lead it. I didn't find other people to help me with it either. I just tried to do it on my own. And it took, it took until it blew up where I, I realized, you know, this isn't going so good. I should probably change what I'm doing. I should probably ask the person that actually knows what he's doing and let him lead. But it's really hard, guys. To be humble and ask somebody for help is one of the biggest struggles that most, a lot of us probably have. Right, Jimmy? Who's Jimmy? Okay, not here. Let me see. He's here at Facebook. He's back there. He's trying to hide now. It is hard to ask for help. The only times it's easy for me to ask for help is when I legit don't know what it, what to do. Or like how to do something. Like my car's broken down, I'm gonna take it to somebody else to fix it because I don't. But if I have any idea how to do it myself, I'm gonna try to do it myself. All right, the second thing. Number one, we have humility. Number two is empathy. This century man, leader of a bunch of people, had a servant who was sick. He cared so much about that servant that he was willing to do something for him. Ask Jesus to come, and he, he didn't have to do that, it's just a servant, but he did, because he had empathy. The third thing is respect. He, he did not assume, as we read the passage, he did not assume that he should go to Jesus and be in front of Jesus. He's like, no, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. You know, leader of many, Jesus, carpenter dude. He didn't think he could go in front of him. Even more on the respect side, when Jesus starts coming to his house, he says, no, 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 don't even come to my house. Which, you know, Jewish people aren't supposed to go and roam his house, they're not supposed to eat with them, they're not supposed to hang out with them. No, that's not a thing. So that'd be like a full pot. He's like, I'm a Roman, no, 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 no. He's showing Jesus respect. No, no, I, I get it. I get it. I get your authority. I get your power. You don't need to come here. And that's when he shows number four, his faith. 
He, he says, I see your authority. As we read that portion where he's like, I tell a man to go, I tell a man to go and he goes. He says, I know authority, and I see that you have authority. I see it. You don't even have to come here. I see your authority. I see your power. Just say it. That is crazy faith right there. He says, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. He's got the faith right there that Jesus sees, and he goes, dang. And all Israel haven't seen that yet. And a, a Roman guy, a Roman guy? That centurion knew Jesus had the authority. That's one of the questions for today. Do we realize the authority that Jesus has? Do we realize that? When we ask him for things, when, when we pray, do we realize the authority he has? Do we realize that he is the healer? Do you realize that? That centurion guy did. So, just a couple things, and we already said them, but we're going to say them a little different way. As we think about the century man, we're not, we're not going to talk a long time, because we're just going to talk about him, and that's it. Just four quick questions for you. And I think the first one is the most important, and that is, are you humble enough to ask for help? Are you humble enough to ask for help from people around you, from God? You know, I'm telling you, I'm, I will do things on my own that I know I need help from God and I'll try to do it on my own. I will try, I will just try to be a better husband. Just. I'm just going to force myself. I'm going to will myself to be a better husband. Anybody ever try to just will yourself to do something and you might be better for like a minute and then, then you're like, oh, well, that didn't work out so good. You sh There's different struggles and things we have in our lives, temptations and addictions. And we, like, when I was younger, you know, it was, you know, the eyes. I just was a lustful teenager. And it's, it was just a struggle all the time. It's like I needed help with that. I needed God to help me with that. I needed other people to help me with that. Nothing, like the first time it ever broke is when I went to my youth pastor and I told him about it. And you know what he did? Which helped me, I think, but it was weird in the moment. I was like crying a little bit, and I went to him all by myself, and I was like, Tom, I'm so lustful. And I was like crying to him, and he went, <laughs> all right, man, or something like that. <laughs> and that was it. I mean, we like prayed a little bit, but he took the load off of me with that laughter. 
I don't know if he meant to do that on purpose or why he laughed at me exactly, but it kind of took the load. I was like, oh. And then I realized that every other guy at that retreat probably was struggling with the same stuff but wouldn't say it. And he knew that. I didn't know that. But it was like there was freedom in letting him know. There was freedom in the laughter knowing that, oh, hey, this isn't as big a deal as I've been making it because I've been all by myself telling me how bad I was all the time, just beating myself up. But it was the, it was the moment I went to him that the, it began to break. And there was more moments like that as I went along because it wasn't just one moment, but it just continued. But I had to be humble enough to ask for help and admit that I was not strong enough. Because every time I tried to blow myself, it would last a little bit and then I would just fall down again. And then I'd will myself and then I'd fall down again. I needed help. So we, we need to ask for help. Empathy. We need to care for the people around us. We need to actually care. Are we caring for the people around us right now? And if you ask my wife, I'm not the most empathetic person all the time. And my name means compassionate one. Dang it. Still working into that. It's still growing into my name, you know, still growing into it. Um, but we need to be caring for the people around us. Respect. We come to Jesus in the right manner and with the right request. We pray according to the will of God. We don't just pray for random things. When we pray according to the will of God, stuff happens. When we pray outside of the will of God, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I pray for an Escalade or, you know, whatever car you want. I pray for 69 Camaros to appear in, my, in front of my house. That's not the will of God, so that's not going to happen, right? If it is the will of God, that would be amazing. But that, No, that's not how it works. I'd love a 69 Camaro, but I wouldn't drive it ever because gas prices, never mind. We need to show God the proper respect. We come with him with a proper request, and we come to him the proper way. Okay? Make sense? Okay, cool. Rather make dollars than cents, you know what I mean? This is a Frankie joke for you. Number four, we need to believe that God will actually do something. That's the faith part. I've prayed for many people to be healed, and a few of them have been healed. I don't know how high our percentage is, but it's probably not great. I'm probably not a very good baseball player when it comes to that average, you know. But that's not for me to know or understand why some are healed and some are not. It is my job to pray according to the will of God, lay my hands on, and ask them to be healed. Sometimes they get healed, sometimes they don't. That doesn't mean I stop. If you're a baseball player, I'm an athlete, guys. You have to deal with baseball, like sports stuff. A good average in baseball is 300. If you bat 300, you're a pretty good, stinking baseball player. Right, Josh? 
In, the, in major leagues, that's like, you're probably, if, if you're playing every day, you're probably making the all-star team, batting 300. If you're hitting any kind of, power, with any kind of power. That's less than one out of three. If you hit one out of three, 333 in baseball, you're definitely an all-star. You might, in this day and age, win the batting title, hitting one for three. If I'm hitting one for 10 on dealings, I am so happy. Because somebody got healed. Who cares if I'm batting 100? If I'm batting 50, somebody got healed. You just need to pray for more people. If one out of 10 are getting healed, pray for 100. 10 got healed. Boom. If you're one out of 10, and you've only prayed nine times, you might not have even seen it yet. You get what I'm saying? It's our job to pray with faith, believing that God will do something. And many times when we pray for people, when we have humility to ask for help, when we have empathy for others and we go to help them, we come to God in the right way with the right request and we pray with faith, Something happens, but we don't see it exactly. Or it looks different than we thought. And so we sometimes think nothing happened, but something did happen. We just wanted it this way, and it happened this way, and we're still looking over here for this, when over here stuff is happening. You see? No, you don't see it because you're still over here. We have to pray with faith and believe that God is going to do something. It's not always going to look the same. Because you know what? It is Jesus who has the authority. It is Jesus who has the power. Amen. And the centurion saw that. He saw that, before. he saw that in a bigger, better way than anybody in Israel. Any Jewish person has so far. He's like, look at the faith of that guy. I have not seen that yet. That is amazing. And he, in this story, the other here's a, here's a crazy note for you. He doesn't even pray for the guy to be healed. He doesn't say, oh, your servant's healed, or like, go back, the servant is better. He goes, that faith is great. And that's it. Jesus didn't even say be healed, and they go back and he's healed. I don't, what happened? I don't, I don't know. They just didn't write it down, I don't know. It doesn't say he did it. He just said, that guy's faith is great. We are God's vessels. He's the one with authority and the power. We go and just pray it out. We, we go, hey, uh, do something, God. It's not us. The centurion figured it out. Jesus has authority, Jesus is healer. But he chooses to work through us. I don't know why exactly, but he chooses to work through us. Most of the time when people are healed, they're not just sitting alone somewhere by themselves asking God for healing. It's when people lay hands on and pray that people get healed. He needs us to go pray. He doesn't need us, but he chooses that way for people to get healed. It baffles me sometimes. I'm like, why would you choose that way? I'm messed up. I'm not perfect. 
I don't always pray the right things or do the right things. None of us do, but he chooses all of us to work through. Isn't that amazing? Each and every one of you in this room has the capacity to go pray for someone and then be healed. That is amazing. That is amazing. But we've got to remember, first it starts with being able to ask for help, <laughs> caring for the people around us, coming to Jesus the right way, and praying with faith that something will happen. Kobe, you want to come up? Pretty much on time-ish. So we're going to do two things real quick. You bow your heads and close your eyes. Don't want to be too churchy. I'm not the churchiest type person anymore. Um, I said something new at the beginning of this sermon, and it was that the centurion didn't even know Jesus. Anyone here can know Jesus. A lot of us do know Jesus in this room. But I'm not going to pass up right now a chance for somebody to be like, I don't know Jesus, and I want to know Jesus today for the first time. I want to know who he is. I want to know this guy that has power, that has authority. I want to know this guy that heals. Lord Jesus, we love you. So if that's you, if you feel a stirring in your heart right now that's like, yes, I want to know Jesus. I, I don't know him now. And I want to know him. I want to have a relationship with him. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. And we're going to pray. So if there's anyone in here, you can raise your hand and we're going to pray. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, for every hand raised in here, Lord, I pray that you would meet them right now. In Jesus' name, we ask for you to come and move in their life, Lord, that you would rise up in them right now. Jesus, we believe that you are healer. We believe that you are savior. We believe that you are Lord. We believe that you reign and you alone are king. We declare that. And Lord, we ask that you would come and you would begin the personal relationship with the people with their hands raised in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The other thing we're going to do is I'm sure there's people in here that have stuff that they're not willing to ask for help with. Or they don't want to ask God for help for things. Or they think they can do it on their own. And there's stuff going on you don't need to ask your... You feel like you don't need to ask your friends for help. Or you don't need to go to someone... Some, a pastor, a counselor, something like that. We all need help with stuff. And a lot of us are afraid to ask for help. So with every head bowed and eye closed, we're going to be churchy for one more second. If you are in the place where you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm not being humble. I can't get out of my own way. I can't ask for help. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand. And I'm raising my hand too. 
because I, I struggle with it. Oh Lord, you see our hands. Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves right now. We come before you and we, we humble ourselves now and say, Lord, help us. Lord, if we're struggling with addiction, Lord, help us to help us to be free, Lord, but help us to take steps in our lives where we can be free, that we can go to our friend, we can go to someone and have them help us. Lord, if we're struggling with, with just needing help, physical help, mental health, health, any kind of help, Lord, would you just help us to just do that right now, get the help we need. Lord, we're turning to you first. We're humbling ourselves and saying, have your way. Have your way. We need you. We love you. And we're, we're just going to continue to humble ourselves before you. Praise you, Jesus, that you're good. We love you. In Jesus' name.